All right, we'll go ahead and get started. So I hope every, everybody's doing well this morning. Thank you all for coming. You all get to listen to my melodious, timorous voice for the next hour and 15 minutes. I know, get ready for it. <laughs> so, so as you'll notice, I'm, or I'm sure you've seen that, that, that Greg is not with us this morning. He had, a, uh, he had to fly out to, to be with his family. His dad did take a, did take a turn, uh, a turn with, the, with his health, and so he needed to fly out to Indiana and be with him. And just uh, so we'll pray for him in just a second before we get started, but just to give you just a, a heads up about, about the God that we serve is that I'm up here not because Greg reached out to me at the last minute to say, oh, no, I need somebody to, uh, to run this Sunday show. Last Sunday, God had been just kind of rolling some things around in my head about, about this lesson, about communication. And I said, you know what, Greg? Don't worry about the lesson. I've got it this, I've got it this next week. So don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. I'll take care of everything. And the wave of relief washed over him because he said, that's one thing off my plate. And I appreciate it. Knowing, God knowing in advance that this would be happening in Greg's life. And to give Greg that grace to say, you know what? You're going to have so much to worry about. Don't worry about this Sunday. Your, your family has got it. Your team has got it. Your God has got this. And that's super cool. So let me say a quick prayer for all of us and for Greg, and we'll get started. So Heavenly Father, thank you so much for, for this place, for, um, for a place where we can meet together and in safety and in love and in trust and in confidence, knowing that we worship a God that, that we can have confidence in and, and that we can trust. I pray as we, uh, as we step through communication that we, would, um, that we would trust each other and that we would trust you and that we would be honest and, and vulnerable, vulnerable with you and with each other to the degree that, that you lead us to be. So please... So I know that you'll be with us in this time. Just please help us feel your presence in here because we know that because we're here as, as Christians, your Holy Spirit is here among us. And I thank you so much for that. So I pray for Greg that the opportunity to speak to his father about, about you more will come up and that his father will be receptive to it. I pray for uh, the, his safety as he comes back home and for his family as while he's away. So I thank you for all this in your name. Amen. Now what um I don't normally do big ideas. I teach youth youth group and and they don't they don't take to big ideas because it's pretty much about what's happening at the moment. But but I know that Greg's I know that I know that Greg is a big fan and and the pastor big fan of having a big big idea which I probably won't repeat nearly as often, but the big idea for this is that the God is a communicator, and, it, and so are you. From the beginning, God has not been a silent, detached monarch sitting on his lofty throne, looking down on his lowly creation. He created, when he created the universe, in Genesis 1-3, it says, God said, let there be light. God communicates he could have just thought it and moved on, but he spoke. He wanted to communicate his creation into existence, and we can't even get out of, 
get out of chapter 1 when God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness and let, let's see, in our image and our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea and, and all of creation. Right there we see that God is communicating within the relationship of the Trinity. God loves communicating with himself, with his people, and just all throughout. You can't hardly turn a page without seeing communication being played out in the, uh, in the Bible. God's been continually speaking to his people throughout history, and there are dozens and dozens of examples in the Bible. One of my favorites is from the life of David in 2 Samuel chapter 5. So 2 Samuel chapter 5, verses 17 to 25. It says, When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it and went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? And the Lord answered him, he said, Go, for I will surely hand the Philistines over to you. So David went to Bel-Perazim, and there he defeated them. And he said, As waters break out, the Lord has broken out against my enemies before me. So that place was called Baal-Perazim. The Philistines abandoned their idols there, and David and his men carried them off. And once more the Philistines came up and spread out in the, in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord, and he answered it's inquired of the Lord, and he answered, Do not go straight up, but circle around behind them and attack them in front of the balsam trees. And as soon as you hear the sound of the marching in the tops of the balsam trees, move quickly, because that will mean the Lord has gone out in front of you to strike down the Philistines. So David did as the Lord commanded him, and he struck down the Philistines all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. I love that story because... We humans, if something works one time, we want to write that down and say, this is the way we do it. This is how it works. Because it worked that one time, that means it's always going to work every time without fail. And I love this story because it, it, it shows God's personal involvement in the situation at the moment. And we know that without a doubt, this word is immovable. It's God's written word to us. It's his love letter into our lives. But we can't dismiss that God wants to speak individually into every moment of every single one of our lives together. And God gave us that story to remind us of that. David could have said, you know what? I marched and punched him in the face the first time. I'm sure it's going to work again. But this time, God said, no, no, no. You're going to give them a left hook that they don't see coming. Because you know what? When you hear the marching in the trees, that's when I want you to go out. And you're going to circle around behind them and hit them when, when, when they're not expecting it. That's how God wants to move in your life. God's counsel, God's counsel is personalized to our unique situation. And it's not just the heavy hitters like David and Moses and Elijah that God speaks to. But there was Hagar and there was Ananias. And there was you and me that God wants to speak to in every situation, in every moment of our lives. There was a, um, a, time, in, a time in my life that, that this was 
that this was played out. There was, there was a time that the Air Force was, was kicking out a whole bunch of people. Um, budgets, this, that, and the other. They said, you know what, if, if you're, they said, okay, we need, say, 10,000 people in this career field. And if you're more than 10,000, you're in danger of getting kicked down. And so I started scrambling, started just searching around. Do I want to join the reserves? Should I take a job here? Should I take a job there? I started calling, and I was just being a real pain. And eventually, Michelle, Michelle came up to me, and she said, Matt, you got to sort this out. You need to just walk out of the house and don't come back until you figure this out. <laughs> and it kind of struck me, and I'm like, I am being kind of a pain. I'm really just being unpleasant, just grumpy and being short. And so not like Michelle was kicking me out of the house in the type of way, but she said, you know what? You need to step away, get alone with God, and sort this out. And so I did, and I just started walking through the neighborhood. I was gone for probably two or three hours. And, and keep in mind, I wasn't, I was reading the Bible, but I wasn't studying the life of David. But in 1 Chronicles 21, there's a story about David that David decided, you know what? I want to do a census so I can count my army. I want to know exactly how many people I have in my fighting army. And his general's like, that's a bad idea, David. Just trust God. He's got this because numbers don't really matter to God. But David said, no, I want you to count my army. So they went and they counted his whole army. And they came back a year later and they said, all right, David, you have this many people in your army. And as soon as he got told this in, 20, in 1 Chronicles 21, he realized that he'd done something wrong. Because he found out, or God brought to his mind that, wait a minute, I'm putting my trust in the numbers of our army. And God said, you messed up, buddy, and the nation's going to pay for it. And so he said, you have three options. You can have three years of famine, uh, three months of being defeated by your enemies, or three days of just the angel of the Lord coming through and killing your people. One of those three things is happening. And so David, you know, threw himself on the mercy, chose the three-day option, and then moved on from there. And for whatever reason, as I was walking, God brought that story to my mind. And what that meant meant in my situation at that moment in my little house in Colorado Springs, Colorado, was that God said, you know what, man? You can figure this out on your own. Absolutely. Because you're a smart and you're a capable individual. And if you do this, bad things will happen. And that was really scary to me. And it was that moment that I said, all right, you know, God, you've got this. Knowing that my career was on the line. The financial future of my family, I was saying, all right, God, you got to sort this out because you were very clear with me. And no lie, no exaggeration, the next day, a friend of mine called me out of the blue who I hadn't talked to in years who was in the Air Force. He said, hey, man, we got an instructor position open in Vandenberg. You want to come out here? I'm a willing will it let me stay? And he's like, oh, yeah, because it's a special duty assignment. No problem. That happened, and that just brought me to my knees because I realized God is actually interested in my life, 
in my situation. It's not to come to realize that my problems are just as important to God as the president's or as Billy Graham's or as anybody else's because to God there's no such thing as a bigger problem than another. Every problem is a small problem to God. Oh, I say a small problem. No problem is a problem to God. And so your, your individual issue is nothing to God. You just need to give it to him so that he can take care of it. In 1 Kings 19.12, this, uh, this is Elijah. It says that after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. Now just take, take a few minutes and just go through um, the questions. Please, and questions are, what ways does God speak to us? And has God ever spoken a situation into you or your family's life? To join me up front, and um, I'll let Michelle kick it off. So, Matt and Michelle, uh, we've been married 23 years. We have two girls. Our youngest is Kirsten, and she's starting her senior year in high school. Three days. And our oldest is joining us today, um, visiting. And that's Caitlin, who is almost 21. We are expecting our third child come October 19th. We finally get a boy, a son. Um, we are very excited that Alex is joining our family in October, I'm Caitlin's fiance. <laughs> um, so, and the great part about that is we didn't have to raise him. <laughs> but he's a fantastic young man. Um, so, Matt and I met when we were very, fairly young. No, 16. Like, no, yeah. I was 13. <laughs> he was 14. <laughs> All right, so the... Um, so, so, so the year was 1987. You know, real heady times. The Cold War was still a thing. It was a, um, it's just a really, uh, it's a different, a different world. Uh, smartphones didn't existed. Uh, we, we did, we texted each other. Only it was, it was literal text. It was like, like these are the notes that Michelle wrote to me. And Matt. And, uh, and we would. Uh, kind of shows our personality. Mine went into a folder. Right, just jammed into a bag. <laughs> so the, the so 1987, we met we met for the first time when my friend John, he's uh, you know out of the blue, he's like, hey man, let's go for a bike ride. I didn't know this is part of a more elaborate plan of his, but we took this long weaving bike ride through the countryside of of the Inland Empire, and we're coming back around into town, and he's like, hey, I'm really thirsty. I'm gonna stop by this. By a, by a friend of mine's house. I'm like, sure, I'm, I'm thirsty, whatever. And so we knock on this door, and this pretty young girl opens the door up, and, you know, we go in, we have a drink of water, and, you know, I, I didn't think too much. I'm like, hey, she's, she's cute. And, you know, we went our way, finished our bike ride. Again, John's elaborate plan is that he had a crush on, a, on Michelle at the time. And so I'm like, all right, I'm just a pawn in your... Anyway... So, so that, was, that was where we first met unofficially. 
Um, a year later, my youth group had a bike ride from Corona to Huntington Beach, and John invited Matt along there, and that's actually where we kind of got to know each other. And we didn't even put together that he was the guy, John, that came to my house until he came to my house after we started dating. He's like, I've been here before, and I'm like, how? And he's like, I came with John. I'm like, oh, you were that guy. (laughs) I made a real big impression. (laughs) (laughs) But I remember talking on the bus and just how easy it was to talk to Matt. Um, It wasn't awkward, and it was just, I really liked him. So then, so then two years later, give or take, we started dating, and there's, there's a whole story behind that and, and homecoming and rejections and all that, but that's for a different time. Again, we're running seven minutes behind. <laughs> so, the, um, so again, we just started dating, and we were just a couple of stupid high school kids going out and watching movies and leaving ridiculous amounts of notes in each other's cards when we probably should have been paying attention to the teachers and... You know, sliding the sliding notes through the little vent locker vents, you know, and pushing them through, and and so it was just a um. It it was it was a good time. So we dated for about six years and then got married. Um, and our first year of marriage was rough. It was a tough time. I was working up at a summer camp. We got married in May, and in June I started working up at a summer camp for eight weeks, and I was only home Saturday afternoon to Sunday afternoon. So we weren't going to church. Matt was working mid-shift, so he would work Friday night and sleep until Saturday afternoon when I got home, and we just had about 24 hours together. Um, It was hard to figure out what marriage looked like when we just weren't spending any time together. Uh, After the summer, I started going back to school full-time, and Matt was still working mid. So again, it was hard. It was just, it was a tough year. It was about three months after we got married, Matt came home and he said, I stopped by a recruiter's. I think I'm going to join the military. And I was like, uh. <laughs> so you're already married. He tricked me. So it was, um, and so, so I did join the, I went into the recruiter. I said, you know what? I think joining the military is, is a, is, is the right thing for me to do at this time. And, and there, there are various reasons. Just, you know, for some context, you know, we grew up in a, in a small town, and I say a small town, small town in Southern California was only like 25, 30,000 people. And so, so again, you know, smaller community, we lived about a mile and a half from Michelle's parents. We lived three houses down from my mom. And I know for some of you that sounds like a dream come true, but for in other contexts it wasn't working for us. And we, that's, we'll just leave it at that. But I remember um, the pastor who married us, he was, he was my youth pastor, and he said, you know what, Matt? I was, it was the day of our uh, wedding rehearsal. And he pulled us aside and he said, Matt, he said, I don't generally give out a lot of advice, but let me just, let me give you this, this, one, this one piece of advice. He said, move away from your family for a while. He said, just, he said you know, you just need to, to get away from your family and learn to be with Michelle. Learn to, learn to grow together as a couple. You guys have to communicate without having the, the exit strategy of being able to run to your family. You know, you, you have to figure it out. And I didn't take that advice for a year. I just, I'm like, thanks, Ron. 
That's great. Uh, but I'm good right now. We're fine. It's, it'll be fine. And again, we got married. I joined the military. And we went on there to our, for, to our first duty station at Charleston, uh, Charleston Air Force Base in South Carolina. So to get away from family, God sent us from California to South Carolina. It was quite a distance and wasn't what my plan was. Um, I always dreamed of raising our family close to, close to my parents. And, um, but God definitely knew what he was doing during this time of us being away from our family. We had to learn to depend on God. The first thing we did was we decided we needed to find a church. We needed to get back into church. And we opened up the yellow pages, and we found a church that were like, oh, we know where this is. <laughs> so that's where we went. And um, I know God can use yellow pages to help direct us to where we need to go. And we found a wonderful church family there. God taught us a lot of stuff that year we were Learn, um, he taught me that I needed to allow Matt to be the spiritual leader of our family. And that was hard because I'm very controlling. In Genesis 2.18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. God put mentors into our life in Charleston that taught us this, at least taught me, that I need to be a helpmate to Matt. That's my purpose as a wife. Um, to love and to help him, and to help him become the spiritual leader. In Ephesians 5.23, it says, Wives, submit to your husbands. Lord. And that's hard because submit is a scary word. But over the years, is God has taught us that that's still an equal partnership. But, God, but Matt is the one that's accountable for the decisions he makes for our family. And that's kind of freeing for me, scary for him. But, um, but then on the other hand of that, in Ephesians 5.25, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. And that, to me, is such a huge responsibility on the husband's part. And as a helpmate, I need to help him do that. I'm not always lovable, let alone being able to be loved unconditionally and sacrificially as Christ loved the church. So it was a time where I was learning to let Matt become the spiritual leader. In Charleston, at that time, God was working on Matt with his childhood. So the, um, then it's a, so I, did, I actually just, just saw right now in, in, in Genesis where it says, you know, God said it's, it's not good that man should be alone. That um, I unintentionally lived out that the part of that verse to its um to its fullest and almost most dangerous extent, and it really isn't good that man is al left alone for too long. So, in in between the time that I joined the military, and or in between the time kind of that I graduated high school, moved out of the house, and joined the military, I I was picking up some bad bad habits um, and a lot of them had to do with um, a lot of them had to do and do with pornography and that was um, again picking up bad habits because I was left alone with myself and I just kind of was leaving God out of it that was a that was a compartment in my life that I could engage when I need to but um, 
the rest of the week, it really wasn't, it wasn't category for me. And that was a, um, that was something that, that I didn't see, I didn't see the impact that that could have on my, my, few, my own spiritual well-being and the future well-being of my family. So we got to Charleston, we got into a church, going to a Bible study, meeting some really amazing mentors. And it was there that, that, that God finally just, and you know, I know you hear, you know, I've heard to say, you know, that God's a gentleman, you know, he will never force his way. Um, I'm here to tell you that that is a lie. <laughs> um, there are times that God will kick down the door of your heart. And, and I got the, I pray, what is the smallest glimpse of God's fury at sin because he kicked in my heart and just curb stomped my sin in a way that just I mean it still it makes me shake to this day when I think about how God reached into my life and I'm not going to say you know that I you know that all sin was removed from my life in that category but that there's a place that God said no you don't you don't get to this is not a part that you, you get to enjoy unfettered anymore. And so with that, I kind of came around, and, and I, I confessed this to Michelle, and, and that was one of the hardest things that I had to do, and I know that Michelle had it was It was a hard thing to process. Um, in Charleston is when Caitlin joined our family, so I was pregnant. Either way, I've always struggled with with image, self-image. And so it took a long time for me to um, not not be okay with it, but and not even to forgive Matt, because I was able to But it took a long time for me not to think it was me. Um, God worked and still working on my heart, not with my self-image. It's... It, rooted way back when I was little. But I came to the realization that God sees me as beautiful. Matt sees me as beautiful. And um, got past it. And it made our marriage stronger. And so it's a, um, so, so it has been, and really that's, when when we when we started when we started thinking about and brainstorming with Randy and Greg and about what this looks like, you know, they kind of came up with the different topics, and as soon as communication came up as one of the categories, I wanted to be a part of it because that's one thing that I know Michelle and I do a lot of things wrong, um, parenting, church attendance. We know we do a lot of things not great, but we're really good at marriage. And the whole one plus one equals one, that means that, that the, you know, the two become one body. Communication is the lifeblood that keeps that body healthy. You know, it's, it's how the messages are delivered and, and love and affection is given. And this, this little book right here, this is, if you haven't read five love languages, I can't recommend it highly enough. Um, it really just just puts some a framework around how each person is felt loved because not everybody is not doesn't give love and receive love in the same way. For example, Michelle, 
Michelle's. Then, yeah, one of the a couple of categories is that is a, the way Michelle's loved is when I give her quality time and, and share in a meaningful gift to her and with her. And that's, and if, if, that, if that gift can be combined with time, she's just, her, you know, they use it, you know, your love tank is just filled up. You just, you just can't get enough of it. And Matt's is um, affection, touch, acts of service, which is a struggle for me. But I've learned over the years that just even a, just a touch on his arm helps. And so. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, but um, just things like that that God has taught us. So after Charleston, we moved to Colorado, and that's when joined our family. And, and like Matt said, we got transferred to Vandenberg, which was, again, not my plan. But I had to put into practice what God taught me about submitting and letting Matt make the decision and following. And looking back, it's exactly where God wanted me. Found his grace. His grace became our church family. At every single station we've ever been to, we learned that church is the first thing you need to find to get that connection, to get that yeah, connection to get plugged in. We do a ministry together, and we have, ever since Charleston, somehow we get plugged into youth. And um, even when we fight it, we're like, no, we're not getting into youth because it hurts too bad when we have to move. God still plugs us into youth. We, went, we were here for eight years. God sent us up to North Dakota for two, and he plugged us into youth. Time. If you ever want to test your marriage, Go move up to a remote place in North Dakota. <laughs> It'll either make you or break you. Um, and then God blessed us by allowing us to come back here. And every church we would go to, I would look and I would say, oh, man, I wish we could raise our girls in one church where the church family helped them. And looking back, God did exactly that here at Grace. Kirsten was two years old when we came. Caitlin was six. And you all have helped us raise our girls. And that was such a blessing. And looking back to being in the military, that's exactly what it is. Um, we work with youth th together. We love it. One of our favorite things. <laughs> um, and we communicate on everything. Except for Matt's work. And that would just ruin my life, so we just do not talk about his work. But, and we still leave notes for each other. I'll wake up sometimes and look at him on my nightstand on my alarm clock. Matt wrote me, or we'll leave him in each other's cars. Just our way of still communicating and fashion each other. So. And it's a, um, something that, it's, it, it was interesting because we were up in North Dakota and and something that, that our friend, the, the, the services director, whenever there, there was a going away, he would make a pin holder, a little customized pin holder for, for, for the, outgoing, the outgoing person who was leaving. But there was one time, this time in fact, well, this is a pin holder. So, it's a, um, so, so there was a time that, uh, that our friend Scott, he created a dual-sided pin holder. He'd never done it before. For to my knowledge, he hadn't done it since. But what he did is he made this pin holder that connected 
that's functional that goes together and that if you remove one side you, you, you damage it because they go together. And he made this because, because he knew that just, just, by, just by seeing us work together, he said, you know what? Give, it, give Matt a job, he'll get it done. Or give Michelle a job, she'll get it done. Put them together? Man, they can get stuff done in the best way. And that's just something that, something that God has just always been, been so, good, so, um, so faithful in both our lives is that we just love being with each other. We love communicating. Um, I hate that I can't tell her all this stuff at work. <laughs> you know, there are things. <laughs> and, but it's, a, um, it's just been an amazing journey with Michelle, and I truly can't hardly imagine what my life would be like if Michelle wasn't in it. So now, so I think we've reasonably established, I think you could probably agree with me that God is in fact a communicator and that we are created in his image. And because we're created in his image, we are communicators. Now, how well do we communicate with each other as men and women? Now, just, this question is just for the gentleman. Gentlemen, please finish this sentence. Don't try to fix me, just Listen, just listen to me. Don't try to fix it because guys, they just want to fix the problem. And sometimes, ladies, you probably know the answer and you'll, or you're getting to the answer. You just want to process it. And that's awesome. But we so often do not understand that. So it can also be safely assumed that we can all, that men and women are different in profound ways. And as the French philosopher Pepe Le Pew says, <laughs> viva la difference. <laughs> and so, um, Jaron, if you could play that video for me. This is just to, just to highlight. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless and I don't know if it's gonna stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever gonna stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. Yeah, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, out. you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just, sometimes it's like there's this achy, I don't know what it is and I'm not sleeping very well at all, and all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. I, that sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Come on, Ow. if you would just- Don't! Try to see things my way Do I have to keep on? 
You can go ahead and turn it off. All right. Okay, so let me just read a few verses, and I want you to just measure them up against your own default communication style. Just a, just a few verses, and again, just think about, think about these verses. Colossians 4, 6, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer each person. Proverbs 18, 13, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. Ephesians 4, 29, let, let, no, uncorru- no, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only, only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And in James 1.19, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. So please flip through the discussion questions and just think about those verses in mind and how well you communicate with your spouse. All right, so as Randy would say, let's start bringing this in for a landing. Slowly. Slow descent. So the, um, so this is, and I love this right here because this is, this is the church. You all are the church. The fact that you all come from different places, from different backgrounds, different ages, different generations, you all have enough similar stories between you that you can just start laughing and telling stories and being serious all at the same time. And through, the, through communication, through, through God communicating with us and, and we communicate with God and how we communicate with each other, this is, the, this is what heaven is. This is just us telling stories and being in communication with God and with each other and with our fellow brothers and sisters for all eternity. And, 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 and I'm sure there, there will be some singing, but oh, Chet just left. I'm sorry, it's not a worship surface forever. <laughs> because, and I'm not singing worship. Um, because as Michelle likes to say, we're, we're told to make a joyful noise, not a beautiful sound. Um, <laughs> And so the, so I think it's just um, it's just a, it's just a beautiful thing that you all are here and that y'all put up with me for the last hour and something. So I appreciate your time and not throwing anything at me. Um, so as far as the date discussion, we all do something better than our spouse, every single one of us. So it's there in a little box. Go on, take each other out. What is your spouse's superpower? It just amazes you. That one thing that your spouse does that you just, you can't figure out how they do it as well as they can. And I could tell you Michelle's, but if you want, ask me privately. I'll, I'll take Michelle out on a date and break it to her. She probably doesn't even know it because it comes so naturally to her. <laughs> but with that, I will, uh, Donna had a couple of quick announcements, and then we'll pray us out of here.
All right, well, thank you all. Um, I was just texting with Greg, actually. They're still figuring things out with his dad. So thank you very much for praying. And please pray he has the opportunity to share the gospel with him, too. Um, anyways, um, next week is forgiveness. And Greg will be teaching. And um, I will actually probably be the one sharing our testimony. So uh, forgiveness. So, um, But vow renewal is what I wanted to actually come up here and say. Um, these are the families that I have. I'm going to list off the families I have that say have told me so far, yes, I want to do the vow renewal. If you don't hear your name and you want to do it, please tell me. I'm trying to finalize this list so that we are for sure, for sure, this is it, okay? If you hear your name and you don't want to do it, please let me know that too, <laughs> okay? All right. Um, the Appels, Flam, Flowers, Georgie, Carter, Jacobs, Lewis, Lynn, McBurney, McKinley, Hadjigannon, Swihart, and Wickstrom's. Okay? So if you, one of those two categories, heard, didn't heard, but want to be on this list or not on this list, please talk to me. I'll just be stand back there afterwards. Um, there is an email that I'm going to be sending out probably later today or maybe tomorrow morning um, that for these people that's going to give some instructions and some important dates and things like that that you need to know for the vow renewal part. All right? And, oh, and, um, and I will mention this real quickly. If you are part of the vow renewal, um, I'm collecting wedding pictures. So please pay attention to that part of the email. Um, you'll either need to scan them in yourself and send them to me, but if you can't scan them in, I can. And I will be take very good care of your precious pictures. So I am, I'm happy you can just get them to me and I'll do that. Um, all right, so Matt can close us out. All right, so we are still we are running a few minutes early, so depending on on your station in life, either you're welcome or I'm sorry. So with that. <laughs> so with that, uh, let me say it's a quick prayer and uh, we'll get out of here. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for this time, for this topic of communication, for, for communicating with us daily, for wanting to be a part of our lives. Just please give us the ears to hear and the, and, and the heart, the heart to, to feel your love for us. I thank, you for, I thank you for Michelle. I thank you for all the spouses of each other that, that we, all, we all communicate differently, and yet we are all trying to make it work. So just please give us, give us the perseverance to, to keep on trying and to enjoy the times when all, all the cylinders are firing and we're just, we're just communicating well. I pray for, for all the couples this week. We know that, that this gathering, that, that marriage itself is opposed by, by Satan and by the world at large. I pray that you'll, you'll keep us aware of the of the wiles and the, and the devices used against us to, to break us apart and that we won't fall prey to them, Lord. So whatever our struggle is, Lord, just please come against it. Use, uh, please use us in, uh, in the way that you would, that you would have, us, have us be used by you. Let us let's take, your, take your word, take your example into all the world, and I thank you for all this in your name, Lord. Amen.